Friends, today we continue our sermon series entitled Misused or Misunderstood as we look at a passage of Scripture from the book of Ephesians that has to do with marriage. Now, last Sunday, we talked about love being the greatest gift of the Spirit, and we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is often read at weddings, reminding the betrothed what love is really all about. And while a wedding ceremony is a joyous celebration of two who love each other becoming one, well, it's more than just romantic feelings. It's a commitment of love that is to be lived out together. And so the wedding is a wonderful celebration, but after that, that's when the hard work begins. The honeymoon of romantic feelings will soon begin to fade, and the hard work of loving one another, the commitment of love, must set in. But as you know, unfortunately, many couples struggle to live out their vows and their marriages often in in divorce. According to a recent Time magazine article, the divorce rate in America has actually declined a bit. Back in the 1980s, it wasn't uncommon to hear that one in every two marriages ended in divorce. That's a 50% rate. But now, the divorce rate is more like 39%. Part of this is due to the delay in getting married, and the other part of this is what we know as cohabitation. People are now waiting longer to get married. In fact, the, the median age for a woman to get married now is 27, and for a man, 29, which is up seven years from 1960. But there is also more cohabitation. Some have a desire to get married, while others are testing the waters to see if their significant other is the right one. And then there are some who just have no desire to get married and just want to live with someone else. In fact, the share of adults ages 18 to 44 who have ever lived with an unmarried partner is at 59%, which surpasses the share of those who have ever been married at 50%. Now, I have to be honest with you, this is the first time that I've ever preached a sermon on marriage. But I jokingly told my wife, Angela, that I've waited 19 years to preach this one. Why? Well, let's take a look together. The Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus is written to a predominantly Gentile church. And Paul is encouraging them in the faith and urging them to live lives worthy of their calling. He instructs them to be united in faith and to live a new way of life as followers of Jesus Christ. And so he gives specifics on practicing forgiveness watching their speech, avoiding sexual immorality, not getting drunk, and walking in the way of love. He instructs them to worship in the Spirit and to always give thanks to God for everything in the name of Jesus. And then Paul gets more specific as he provides instructions for the households, for how the family should live together, and he begins this with the marriage relationship. And so in chapter 5, verse 22 begins saying this, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, there's no doubt in this moment that every husband tuning in is either grinning from ear to ear right now or squirming in their seat. Paul says that wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. And honestly, I am grateful right now that I am preaching from an empty sanctuary to avoid all those evil eye stares from all the wives in the church. But I told you that this sermon series was entitled Misused or Misunderstood, which should give every wife hope that this sermon isn't going in the wrong direction. And I can assure you that it is not. Now, when we read the verse together, I intentionally started with verse 22 instead of reading verse 21 because I want to show you exactly how one simple verse be misused. Now, I'm not sure what version of the Bible that you have at home, but I would encourage you to get it and to open it up to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And I want you to take a look and see if verse 21 is included next to verse 22, or if it is separated by a subject heading. So often when we purchase a Bible from a Christian bookstore, we're looking for one that's readable for us, but we we haven't thought about the fact that the publishers and the editors take great levity in choosing where the boundaries of the text begin and where they end. This is based on their thought of where they think that a thought ends and another begins. And so they take levity in this in choosing this for us And so often we don't recognize it, but sometimes they have a tendency to cut off verses that should be included with what comes after it, or maybe even with what precedes it. And so now I want us to start over, not with verse 22, but to begin with verse 21. Paul says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, does verse 21 change the context of verse 22? Absolutely it does. And verse 21 can be included with the verses that precede it too. And it can be included with what follows. In fact, I think it's a hinge between both of these passages. You see, Paul calls church to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This command is issued so that we don't elevate ourselves above one another, pushing others to the side just to get our own way. You see, Paul calls the Ephesians in Ephesians 5, 1, to follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Submission to one another is a direct reflection of the submission of Jesus for us, his life-giving sacrifice for our good. So Paul is referring to the whole church, but he is also speaking about the marriage relationship. And this verse is the foundational principle that grounds and guides a husband and a wife in their marriage together. 
If we don't read verse 21 as a part of verse 22, it's really easy to misconstrue what Paul is saying here. It would appear that men are superior to women. Now, it's true that Paul lived in a patriarchal society where women's roles were reduced to the household. But you and I know that we live in a different culture where gender roles no longer fit into the box that they once did. Men are not always the breadwinners in the households. In fact, there are more men staying home with the children while their wives work. We've seen significant strides in our society as more and more women are taking executive positions of leadership. And did you know, in the Presbyterian Church USA, there are currently more women in seminary and being ordained as pastors than there are men. And while we've made significant strides together in our society, we still have a long ways to go when it comes to equitable pay and even in our hiring practices. Even so, there are still men who feel that women are inferior to them. I've been watching a survivalist TV show that pairs a man and a woman who have to survive 21 days together in the wild. Now, many of these tough men talk down to the women as if they have nothing to offer. Yet when it comes to hunting or providing, it's funny because the women often show them up. And rather than being grateful that they have something to eat to survive with, these men become resentful because their ego gets in the way. There's no doubt that this same mentality can affect relationships between men and women, Most women would be offended if a man thought that they were incapable or if they thought they needed a man to do everything. Now, despite the patriarchal society that Paul lived in, that was not where Paul was going. In fact, Paul isn't addressing any sense of inferiority of women to men. He is addressing the special relationship between a husband and a wife. He is speaking to couples in the church who've expressed love for one another and have entered into the covenant of marriage together. And so, yes, he does instruct the wives to submit to their husbands as they do to the Lord, but then he also addresses the husbands saying this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. While Paul calls wives to submit to their husbands, he equally calls husbands to love their wives like Jesus loves us. A husband is called to sacrificially love their wife, to put her needs and her concerns and her feelings above his own. Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom many. This love that Jesus has for us is the same love that husbands are to give to their wives. For the husband is the head of the wife, not because 
he intends to lord himself over her. He is the head of the wife because he is to lead by example. In other words, if the husband is to love his wife like Jesus loves us, then he is called to love and cherish her above his own wants, modeling that love for their children and to the church and even to the community. A wife submitting to her husband doesn't imply that she's utterly dependent upon him or that she can't do anything on her own. It affirms her trust in his love and provision for her. It's not a sign of weakness. You see, that's the problem with so many marriages today. Becoming one sounds good, but it's often not really practiced. So many couples argue and fight over all kinds of things because they don't mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. They continue living two separate lives, not really becoming one. Arguments exist over things like who's right and who's wrong or who makes the final decision How do we raise the children? Who are we going to spend Thanksgiving or Christmas with? And which friends are we to hang out with together? Then there are accusations that escalate arguments like, why are you spending so much money? Or you never communicate anything with me. And when are we going to spend time together? And why am I pulling all the weight around here? Rather than working through these issues, many hold grudges, and they stay angry, and they become resentful. They fall out of love with their spouse, and they choose separation, and eventually divorce. That kind of love is superficial. It's not committed. And there are times, certainly, in relationships where one spouse is giving everything that they can give, loving as Christ loves the church, and the other refuses to love back and refuses to move. James reminds us that wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. He places this in opposition to envy and selfish ambition, which is where you find disorder in every evil practice. That's how things in marriages get out of order. You see, we're called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, and our marriages are a glimpse of the great mystery of Christ and the church. Paul's words in Ephesians remind us everything that we do in the church and in our marriage relationship to Christ is mirrored to Christ in the church. Wives submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. And husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so in the whole of Scripture, the church is depicted as the bride of Christ who is beautifully adorned because of Jesus' life given to wash away our sins. In other words, our marriages are meant to reflect Christ's sacrificial love for everyone. So today, for those of you who are married, I challenge you to reflect on this. 
Are you loving your spouse as Christ loves the church? Are you submissive to your spouse out of reverence for Christ? If not, how can you and how will you do so? And for those of you who are not married, I ask you to reflect on this. Are you loving your brothers and sisters in Christ as Christ loves the church? Are you submissive to your brothers and sisters in Christ out of reverence for Christ? If not, how can and how will you do so? See, we are all called to be submissive and to love one another as Christ loves us. In doing so, we bear witness to God's sacrificial love in the world with our lives. And I find that this is reflective of Jesus' prayer to the Father before he was arrested and taken to be tried. He prays in John's gospel saying this, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I find that it's important for the world to see that the church remains united and not divided. And it's also important for the world to see marriages that are committed and don't always end in divorce. You see, in doing so and living that out together, well, the world will know that Jesus loves us and that he was sent for us as we love one another rightly. And so my prayer for all of us is that we would do our part in this, living into our calling to be submissive and loving towards one another, whether we're married or even if we are not. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.